Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I'm hungover. Oh, really? What happened last night? I drank a bunch of alcohol in my pool until 1 a.m. Girl, why didn't you call me? I know. I was just, you know. But I'm usually, like, fine in the morning. But Mm -hmm. I didn't. I was like, I was like, I'm not doing boot camp. Like, we were up late. And then (laughs) the thing happens when you're just a human being, at least me, where no matter what I've done the night before, I'm just up at. 6.45 6.45 a.m. Oh, for some reason. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, you, you, you're hungry pung. <laughs> I'm hungry pung. I made a delightful loaded salmon bacon bagel with goat cheese and veggies. I'm getting there. Nice. <laughs> nice. You know, I've realized when it when it goes nuclear, uh, I if I can make it to Del Taco, there is light at the end of the tunnel for my hangovers. I can't. I, I, Del Taco destroys my I don't insides. know. It builds me up like a magic elixir. <laughs> it, I don't know why we're so wildly different. Uh, like, bro, you're going to have like a before and after photo. You just be like wasting away and then all you eat is Del Taco and you're like fucking ripped and ready to go I to know. competitions. Oh like, my God. Ugh. I'm just also accepting that like it is a drag to make all three meals every day alone and uh I I don't even have to be hungover to just hit that Del Taco drive-thru. Um, I went four times this last week. <laughs> oh, my God. I would be dead. <laughs> well, you guys, welcome. Welcome to Sidework Podcast. I'm your host, hungover, Andrea Wallace. And I'm your other host, Brooke Van Poplin, who definitely drank till the wee hours, but slept like a baby. Slept like a baby. I feel pretty Maybe refreshed. It's hot. It is really guys. hot. Guys. 105 degrees for like four days in a row. Yeah. See, okay. So for a lot of you not familiar with Southern California, we have officially entered rolling blackout and wildfire stage where as if a pandemic isn't enough, this is the time of year when California spontaneously catches on fire. Yeah. Rolling, rolling blackouts and spontaneous fires just erupting. It's a very combustible situation all around. Uh, yeah. But you and I are going to get at it. We're going to leave. We're going to I know. Leave. I was just going to bring that up. Uh, everybody, Andrea and I are recording earlier than usual because we're leaving. We're getting out of here. Not together, sadly. But Not I, together. We should figure that out soon, though, too. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. We're, I'm going to head up to the Sierras and camp. Heck yeah. And you're going to head to Big Bear and Cabin, right? I'm going to head to Big Bear and Cabin. I found a verified... This is a real lake, you guys. I'm familiar with this lake. (laughs) I know that it's the kind of lake that you think of when you think of a lake. Unlike the lake of fire I found in the middle of California that looked like a landfill stuffed with water. Well, I mean... I think it's yeah, but you, you you should go to like the Salton Sea sometime. You know, now that's a that's a wild ride. That is of a, a of a place. Oh yeah, and uh, <laughs> talk about the smell. Uh, it is that is a wacky part of the desert. It's a you guys, it's a remaining part of like the ocean in the middle of the desert. It's a crazy ass place. <laughs> well, I'm glad we're getting out. I think it's all needed. I know a lot of people who are taking the time now to journey out, venture out. Um, kids are back to school in some capacity yep. so it's, I think it's going to be hopefully a little less crowded out there for everybody and uh, to all of our listeners who may have young ones that they are educating 
you have our support, our thoughts are with you, or if they're going back to school, uh, just know that we are like also, you know, even though we are childless, we are empathetic and really feeling (laughs) for you. Just totally. We know we like kids. We do like kids. We here at Side Work Podcast like kids. That's an official (laughs) statement. You can put that on a t-shirt. All right. Well, let's get into some uh, headlines, shall we? I'm into it. So this coming out of Chicago. um, So let's paint a picture, shall we, bro? If in the past 20 years, which that was when you and I were in Chicago together, obviously, you are at a bar mm. and you're getting drunk mm. and, you know, maybe you got a little snacky, a little snacky snack wanting in your belly. Oh, yeah. And then you just behind you, you hear a voice that just says tamales, tamales and an angel with a red cooler appears full of homemade steamed tamales <sighs> ready for the purchase. So this is the tamale guy. That we're it's talking, who's fucking legendary. Legend. And I mean, I feel like like the fact that like I on the regular on Wednesdays when we would go to the tiny room, uh, uh-huh. tiny lounge, tiny, tiny lounge. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And part of the night was like, I'm not going to eat much dinner because tamale guy usually rolls in around my fourth drink <laughs> when <laughs> when it's time to soak it up and. Five dollars for a bag that had like four or five tamale in it. I feel like there was like six. There may have been six too. Oh my god, there was enough to yeah. share. You could be such a hero. You know, tamale. You guys want a tamale? Who doesn't want a tamale? Delicious, delicious homemade salsas to boot to dip your tamales in. So uh, what happened was, and and there's been other people who are kind of the same staple fixtures around this city of Chicago and around lots of different cities mm-hmm. um, who are basically like going door to door with their homemade delights um, vendors. Most of them are unlicensed. Um, and then it really kind of just takes like one asshole to crack down on these guys. So Claudio Velez, who is the owner, who is the tamale yes. guy, um, started to do like an unlicensed catering thing like back, I think, be the beginning of the year got busted, got shut down, and then fucking coronavirus hit, and his livelihood is going to bars that are open and selling his delicious tamales there. So he had nothing. So a super fan starts a GoFundMe, and then all of a sudden he's got like $350,000. So exciting. Takes that, opens a goddamn storefront in Ukraine Village, so he, this it just opened, first day of business, eleven a.m. Line around the block, fucking sold out of tamales by noon. I'm in an so hour happy. He, mm-hmm. I'm so happy for him, and it's just such a testament to the quality of his food and the accessibility. Like it's always been the right price, and you know oh, yeah. you can get the same thing you've known and loved. But he's partnered with uh, sounds like a, a husband and wife duo, but Pierre and Kristen Vega, who they are actual like culinary chefs mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. want to elevate and expand out upon the tamales but this this uh, actual like culinary you know traditionally trained chef is just a super fan and wants to expand upon the basic tamales you know without interfering or changing anything about what people love uh but it's so exciting like a dessert tamale mind blown i think it's awesome i think it's awesome too and i because his uh red cooler like his just sort of like signature red signature. cooler. It's yeah. like in the storefront there, just sort of like a shrine that we can all come worship. And they now have it on a T-shirt. I remember I came to L.A. before I lived here and I was at Spaceland and there was a tamale guy that came around and sold them. And I was like, it was good, but I it, I had such a comparison. <laughs> I was such a snob about it. Um you're but like, yeah, mm-hmm. there's nothing I want more than like a bag of steaming tamales right now. But yeah, if you guys are in Chicago, go support Claudio. Um, what a great story. Tamale, tamale. All right. Well, moving on. And I hope this doesn't worry you too much. I'm a little worried. Yeah. Uh, OK, so also, you know, you guys have heard about the salmonella tainted onions. Hope everyone got out of that alive. And then now Listeria outbreak with potatoes limes and oranges i don't know what's next in 2020 but shit's getting wild (laughs) pepperoni prices 
are rising because of the meat packing industries having so much drama and workflow interruption because they're already horribly unethical places then you throw in covid and their workers just getting incredibly ill because there's no regard for space and safety and you know who the real victim is here pepperoni because <laughs> no i know I'm, I'm kidding it's the workers truly but because of this what's happening is they most places have decided it's not worth the trouble it takes to make them because they are so cheap to sell that they are now scarcely found and sourced meaning that all your local pizzerias you know uh, are paying an arm and a leg for pepperoni those prices wow. are going up and uh, I, I, I will not live in a world where I can't have pepperoni on demand. I ate, I ate a handful. Of, <laughs> I mean, I ate a handful of pepperoni just, before I hit the hay last night. I love pepperoni. Yeah, everybody knows that you just you have a fanny pack full of full of pepperoni that you just wear on you at all times. <laughs> it smells. Everybody, Brooks stinks. <laughs> But that's who she is, and I don't know who she's going to be now. I mean, don't. I mean, stuff is wild in in times of pandemic. I had grilled the night before. Forgot I left two dogs on the grill overnight. Opened it up yesterday morning. Just popped one into my mouth. Breakfast in quarantine. <laughs> that's all right. Those things are. That's like full of good salt and They're, like protection. It's fine. you're not going to get sick. No, I'm I'm good. I've never felt better. Maybe you could just start like slicing up uh, hot dogs really thin and then paint them red with like beet food coloring and then like it's like a substitute pepperoni. Oh, or maybe maybe Aww. um maybe I could go to the pet store and get pepperoni. <laughs> if I'm really desperate, they've figured out how to flavor it. But you guys, so you might see your slices or your pies uh, reflecting a slightly higher price. A lot of local places are trying their best not to you know, put that cost on you. But here's what I will say. If you're getting a lot of pizza to carry out, whatever, like order a bunch, you know, get an extra something or other, help them make money back, you know, tip well, all this, because, you know, big pepperoni, you know, it's only the corporations that have large deals with pepperoni manufacturers that has not <laughs> impacted the price of pepperoni for them, which is like, okay, that's like the one percenter pepperoni people. Um, but yeah, support your local businesses. Start, start giving Canadian bacon a chance, I guess. I don't mind a little prosciutto. I don't like. I like a white pie with arugula, sweet yeah. onion, prosciutto. You know, but yeah, there's all sorts of goodness out there. To go oh around. God! Anyway, but I am not. Right. I we'll am. Be, you know, we'll, we'll get out of this pepperoni crisis. We will one day. We'll get out. I want my pizza. Well, I think it's time to move on to some server submitted stories. Yeah. First story. Hi, I was reminded of a few short months I spent working at a Florida Arby's when I was 18 and I wanted to share a few of my stories. Great. This is amazing. Now, this Arby's was very nice, and honestly, my only complaint was that the owners insisted that Christian music play 24-7, and I'm an atheist. <laughs> Even if you're not an atheist, like, God, that music is so bad. Anyways. It's, it is really, like, terrible, terrible, terrible. Uh, but here's a few stories about the customers, our Raider says. I don't know how familiar you are with Arby's. I'm very familiar. Thank you so yeah, much. Me too. Um, but their curly fries are a signature. Mm -hmm. One day I was working the drive through window and a customer ordered some fries. She serves and all is well until about 30 minutes later, she pulls back through with fries on her plate, shows me and says, I ordered curly fries and not all these fries are curly. Oh is how I assume she said it. Then she asked for a new batch and insisted that they all be curly this time. So I obliged. She was a regular, and once I knew her voice, that's so funny. I've never thought about that with a drive-thru that voices sound familiar. She was a regular, and once I knew her voice, uh, I would make sure that they were all curly enough for her to avoid any complaints. She apparently complained so much <laughs> that the franchise owners gave her their number, so she had a direct line to call them. That, oh, my God. That is, okay, that's kind of like a boss-level Karen. <laughs> Oh my god, for sure. I just go straight to the top. I just need to go straight to the top. Oh. 
fuck. Okay. Another day, news story, customer story. Another day we served two young men I think must have been on drugs or something because one of them started freaking out because he couldn't find his wallet. He started running to the bathrooms and threw open the door so hard it shattered a light fixture. Good Lord. After the police were called, he found his wallet in his, in his friend's backpack. <laughs> oh, it's here the whole time, guys. Oops, sorry. Oh, dr- drugs. Drugs and Arby's go hand in hand, for sure. Next customer story. My favorite story has to be when I was afraid I was going to get drug tested the day after 420. Um, I was working this job long enough to have saved up some extra cash before moving away to college, and I didn't want to have to find another job to fill that short void get it since i was an avid pot smoker at the time i knew if i was tested that i would fail badly so i convinced my friends to pee in a pill bottle at school and took it to work behind (laughs) by hiding it between my boobs only to never be tested so i carried her pee under my shirt for almost my entire shift with no one knowing (laughs) oh my god I love that she was like, I was going to fail badly. I'm like, do they, they just, it's either like you pass or you fail. They're not like, oh, you got a lot of weed in you, girl. Like, I don't remember, right? I, Isn't it, I don't know. God, I don't know how drug tests work. How did, <laughs> give, and first of all, give me a break that you think drive through employees aren't stoned or on drugs. Like, Quir- how would, oh, I know. How would you ever just, find anyone to work there if they had to I be agree. totally clean? I agree. Love the pod and listening to you guys every week makes me miss my job I lost due to the pandemic. Honey. Jessica from Florida. Great stories, Jessica. Stories within stories. Thanks for sending them. I love that. That was amazing. (laughs) Yeah, I think, and I mean, don't quote me on this. I feel like any drug tests are like looking for real hard stuff. You know, I know in certain industries, you know, like if you're a, a, like a hospital worker, whatever, they are probably going to trace for weed and can or whatever. But when you're when you're slinging curly fries to Karen's, I think it's OK <laughs> to have. Yeah, your, but when you're young, yeah. it's a big deal, too. Mm-hmm. If someone could drug test you like you freak out. Right. Oh, like, yeah. I just I never really had to come up against it. And I personally I mean, I'm just not a I'm not a drug user. And if if I had to abstain from smoking pot. That's not a problem. I barely, yeah, I barely ever smoke because I'm a freak. But Right. But there's also, I again, remember you would like go to head shops and you could buy pipes and then you could buy like the stuff that you would like take for drug tests and it would make your pee turn super yellow and then it would like flush you out and I don't know. There's all sorts of, yeah, there's all sorts of workarounds all there. All sorts of stuff. All sorts anyway, of stuff. Anyway, great stories, Jessica. And, and I don't want Arby's right now, but I, I ate a lot of Arby's at one point in my life. I'm going to tell you that right now. I drink a lot of Jamocha shakes. Oh, wow, Andrea. <laughs> Truth. Okay. All right, our next story. Hi, guys. I started listening to your podcast a few weeks ago, and I'm loving every second of it. That's right, you are. I've been in the industry. <laughs> I don't know where this brazen confidence is. It just listens come. to the podcast. And what it you- likes it. <laughs> I have been in the industry for nine years, working at a popular brunch spot in Providence, Rhode Island. All right. Last summer before the corona calamity. That's a great way to uh, put it, for sure. The corona calamity. She was a rootinist, tootinist, great, biggest shot in the wild, wild west. That corona. Yeah, she was wild. Untamable. Unbreakable. Okay. So he says, I was working a busy brunch. There was often a 45-minute wait time to get a table during the rush and another 40 minutes just to get your food. But it's worth it because the locals know how good we are. At least they thought they did. (laughs) During this particular shift, a large man in a leather motorcycle vest was seated at a high top with his girlfriend. They were both pretty tatted up, which isn't unusual for the Providence scene. But this guy's tattoos under closer inspection were all neo-Nazi tats. I'm talking Aryan Brotherhood, SS Bolts, 1488, etc. I immediately knew this guy was in a white supremacist biker gang, which are unfortunately still alive and well in my tiny state. 
I won't tell you what his gang was called, but it includes the word white on the back of his vest, <laughs> which is a little on the nose, even for a Nazi. Oh, my God, that's funny. OK, my coworker, who proudly wears a Star of David necklace, was at the back terminal. I asked her what she thought about table 111, and she looked at me with a knowing glare and made the stink face. We agreed that there was no way in hell either of us were going to serve him or his partner and vocalize this to the GM. The manager's response was that they were paying customers and should be treated like anyone else. We outright refused to have any part of it. So the manager did all the serving for their table instead. That's, you know, we're going to discuss this in a second. They tipped Mm -hmm. the 20%. Amazing that even Nazis know how to tip proper. And And the man and his girlfriend left on the back of a shiny loud chopper with a Punisher sticker on it, of course. At the time, I felt he should have been kicked out immediately, but the manager pointed out that this could have backfired in a really dangerous way. Yeah, yeah, I understand what she means. And honestly, I'm not sure what the protocol should have been. I only know that we all felt lousy serving this guy a yummy breakfast with beautiful cocktails to boot. It seems so sleazy and cowardly. What if this guy keeps coming back? What if he brings some more friends with him? Where is the line in the sand that you draw? And what do you do to prevent something like something like this from happening again i have no clue but i'd love to hear you folks talk about it on the podcast godspeed and good tips nolan hmm last summer so it's this so this is a year ago right yeah this is still post charlotte bullshit though you know what i mean right like i feel like that gm's point of view while just trying to do the right thing because that's what we're all ingrained with the customer always being right in the service industry, you know, it's a pleasing business. We've talked about this before. I feel like something like that is almost saying like there's good people on both sides, you know? Right. Which is like a very, again, a very, uh, trying to basically bend to either side to seem pleasing while having, you know, I mean, whatever, I don't even need to go on about Trump or his ilk, but you know, where it's just like, I feel like in this time and place, especially, where the customer is uh, consistently treated like always right. You know, we live under the fear of being yelped out of existence, mm-hmm. you name it. But I think maybe sometimes a positive workaround if you're working for a good establishment is having maybe signs out front that, you know, put a Black Lives Matter exact sign yeah. out front put like a we accept you know like we believe science we believe love is love is love mm-hmm. white is not superior you know these these signs that are just like we accept everyone other than people who are intolerant to everyone because it right because that's right like if you're yeah. gonna cover your body with like symbols of hate then we're going to like i mean you can't I don't I don't expect like what people are supposed to fucking think about people who are obviously part of a white power movement coming into brunch. Yeah, that's a like everybody else, you know. Yeah, because you've you've chosen to be this bizarre outsider with outdated, untrue, discriminatory, hateful practices. Right. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you love brunch (laughs) makes you a very. weird sort of hypocritical individual I don't know I feel like you should just be like drinking whiskey and eating some cold cereal you know I I, it's tough but yes and I do think sometimes personally where the restaurant does not have to per se put themselves in danger and kick this person out I think it's also okay to be as to work as individuals and just be like as a Jewish individual this is incredibly threatening to me Mm -hmm. and you should probably know that what you tout to hate is here so if you're really this person you know like you better leave because we're Jew friendly and you are you know like we believe yeah. all people are equal and uh, absolutely I, but again it is, it, mm. it, it is very well and now now is the thing like here we are a year later right right where again bringing up shit already happening bringing up like all the stuff happening in charlotte bringing up all of this crazy white power movement you know did this guy feel more comfortable being out now than he ever had been because of all this and I like know. you know or and here we are a year later like are these 
do you think that guy would be like, I'm not wearing a mask? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Do you think he would be like one of those people? I think yeah. he might be. And so then now we're kind of safe, you know, to just be like, no mask, no brunch. So yeah. then that just Well, kinda... now do you just have to be suspicious of anywhere, anybody wearing a Hawaiian shirt at brunch is... <laughs> Truly Definitely up to no good <laughs> But Here's the thing Nolan You and your server And like letting Her know That I see this And I see you And I've got your back And I want you to know I will not serve this person yeah. You don't have to either And you know what If the manager So this is where I like it If the manager's like I don't want to kick anybody out Then manager's in charge I think that should yeah. just be the rule Because you need to look out For your employees And their safety And it's it's hate speech To have white nationalist and you know white supremacy tattoos all over your body it's it's open flagrant hate speech so yeah i yeah. just hope they and don't that come in again is a member of the brotherhood of brunch i assume like <laughs> brother. fucking asshole oh god Ugh. well you guys we like this was an awesome batch because it's like hilarious stories about curly fries and then like real grounded sort of like how do you deal with this scenario in this climate mm -hmm. and we love that you asked us and you yeah you, absolutely not to mention like other customers seeing what's happening around you like what is that say to the people who the regulars that come into your your establishment your busy brunch spot that everybody loves and they're like there's a fucking nazi sitting next to me you know you know it's such oh you bring up a good point where sometimes if you wait long enough the customers will take care we'll of somebody exactly and mm -hmm. you don't have to go down with the business you know Mm -hmm. being blasted or ugh. anyways um you guys are awesome uh like we said we'd like to start doing additional content if we get enough stories each week we can give you guys bonus stuff so please send us anything you want to at to sideworkpod at gmail.com or at sidework podcast on instagram you can dm us and we would love to read your story on air yeah Hey guys, welcome to the show, our buddy, and to Andrea, new buddy, uh, Josh Hannes, everybody. Hi. All right. Josh Hannes here. I mean, we've gone into his place of employment together several times, and I'm sure I've drunkenly introduced you to Andrea, one of our old podcast uh, co-hosts, Kyle. She uh, got the, the, the 86 out of your bar one night. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's like dark in there. It's easy to get crunked in there, you know. <laughs> it is. It's wine, so it, it's a delayed drunk. But it back if if you eighty six, if I eighty six someone, I do it often. It's like a <laughs> I have a trigger finger when it comes to that. But I'm the oldest guy too. I'm the old so, guy there, so I eighty six a lot of people. You're like you're like Grandpa's not taking it today. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, so wait, so Josh, uh, Andrea, we have known each other since, um, Andrea and I have known each other since 2003 mm -hmm. in Chicago, but yeah. then when, when I skipped town and moved to New York City, Josh was one of my first buddies I made since 2006, my friend. Wow. You, maybe even earlier, because you, for a minute, hosted a show at Parkside Lounge. I did. Yeah. You hosted Parkside and I hosted Beauty Bar, so... We knew each other from the comedy hosting world earlier than 2006 because oh. that's when I left New York. And so then you you uh, you skipped town. You went to L.A. and like tell us about your service industry experience uh, in L.A. so far. What what how many jobs have you had? A lot. When you come to L.A., you don't know anything. And yeah, it's you, fucking true. <laughs> you, I mean, back when I moved here 14 years ago, it was like it, it felt like the 80s. It was Spago and Beverly Hills and nothing else. There was like <laughs> there wasn't a restaurant renaissance like there is now. Restaurant bar. So I catered. I catered at the Getty. Hell yeah. I had food poisoning, so I barfed in the parking lot. <laughs> and then I drove home and, did, and I lost that job. That was no. like your Jordan flu game, basically, is what you're saying. But I didn't make it to work. I, I barfed outside an office window. And everybody, when I looked up, everybody watched me. I was like, this is the best job I've ever had. And I just lost it. I didn't bother, oh, no. go, I didn't bother going back to work knowing oh. that a whole office just watched me. It was food poisoning. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love it how you're like, you don't, don't say anything. Just don't was, worry. I'm not coming back. Okay. You don't even need to say it. It was embarrassing. Back. I'm out of here. I didn't have to do brunch in LA, which is a joy. That's a blessing. It's a major bullet to dodge, my friend. 
I think if you put in enough time prior to moving here, working brunches, I think you're fine. You know, like, I mean, it sounds like if you said that you didn't have to, then you'd obviously done it before. I locked out. New York, I did my share of brunch and that was terrible. Oh, mm-hmm. such a blood sport in New York City. <laughs> it truly is just just nightmarish. And, you know, it, like us comedians, it's like we're out till all hours. And I would know that feeling of like I'd close down like a Saturday night outdoor 4 a.m. bar sort of situation. Then I'd stay out in Carroll Gardens or whatever, go to this place called The Boat, which had a secret 6 a.m. knock because uh, definitely wasn't done drinking. What was, and- the, was the knock just like? Yeah, it was like, eh. Scrape, <laughs> scrape the door. Yeah. Just... <laughs> oh. You have a funny fucking joke that I've always loved that you would do at your show, Josh and Josh, about uh, auditioning to play a waiter. Can you regale us with that? Only in Hollywood can you go, and this is when I didn't have a car, so it <laughs> adds to the joke. Only in Hollywood could you... Do you, can you go audition for the role of restaurant manager, then afterwards have to take the bus across town to your job where you are a restaurant manager? <laughs> and also not book it. And not book it. <laughs> and just continue to be a restaurant manager. That happened. Oh. Today we are going to move into the topic of wine bars. Andrea and I are just coming off like a three-parter that has looked at the culture of liquor and cocktails in America since the 1800s. And so we were so focused on liquor specifically to try and stay on topic that it's just like, oh my God. And then in the 90s, like the wine bar trend completely took off. And so we thought it'd be awesome to have you on the show because you work at a motherfucking wine bar. Amazing. I am the professional for my four years experience of what I can tell you of wine bars. It's fantastic. Yeah, I work at a... I work at a boutique yet accessible, uh, <laughs> natural wine bar. I, I love, love going there. We've, we've absolutely, uh, you know, raised some hell a few times. It's been a minute since I've been back. So what, how is, how, how's it working right now? Are you guys waiting for the go ahead or because no, no, you have small open. plates, you have small they're plates. Open. So you're, you're good to go. Small plates and they've, uh, they've got a deck in the back and a parking right. lot that no one uses. Oh, so, shit. so pop-up chefs or pop-up kitchens can show up there and um, it that like allows you to stay open and serve booze. And even when they don't have pop-up chefs, it's like they serve an olive plate of olives or a plate of crackers. And that, that'll suffice for uh, a, right. a, a working kitchen. Yeah, right. We talked about this. Uh, um, are you are you working there currently? No, no. I go there once a week to get my liters of wine to take home. So I'll right. sit I'll sit inside, have a glass, watch the people outside infect each other, get my <laughs> bottle, and then hold my breath with my shirt over like, my I'm just nose gonna, I'm and just run outside. Pull the tap and fill this bottle up. Thanks so much, guys. I, I, oh, I started going a month ago. The first four months they were open, but they were doing just selling bottles via some app online. Mm-hmm. So but now they're open. Like people hang out and it's just it, it ain't my scene to to hang yeah. out in public just yet. So I already sifted back through uh, photos, Josh, to find one of the last bottles of wine that I actually had at Bar uh, Bandini, which is so good, which was a a clump and Meyer. It was definitely like yummy, natural, like 100% my wheelhouse of wine. That's why I love your bars because it's like everything I want. I want the funky fermented like I've been in LA five years and I was like a, I'm a huge cider fan but I want funky weird cider and I was in Chicago before and that game is strong in Chicago so me finding natural skin contact wines really scratches that itch for me a lot of these natural wines and cider and and like hopped up kombucha drinks they all have this raw overlap and, uh, and that's what people like um i I'm very tame with my natural wine, but uh, it's all I can drink now. If I drink uh, something good from, you know, like Van du Monde off San Vicente, that it's a it's a nice wine shop. Um, I just sounded like a snob. You uh, did. No, no, no. I was just thinking I, that. I was like, I was like, look here, here we go. We're going down this snob hole. No, like I'm only. Wor- I'm not a wine pro. I'm just a wine liar. I'm a good actor. I act like I know what I'm doing there. I 
can't drink regular wine now. It's uh, the it sugar. Hurts my stomach. The, sh- the sugar the, is just like overwhelming. It really the, is. The raw stuff. It's like you know what the arc of your night's going to be with when you have one or seven or eight glasses. Right. Oh, I like. Okay, this is yeah, because it just doesn't have all the additives and sulfites and all the garbage that makes you feel extra terrible beyond just that you had too much to drink. It's yeah. Now I have this conversation with every customer oh, at God. the bar who's okay. never tried natural wine, and I'm just like, I'm like a telemarketer reading a script. Like the wine is great. There's no sulfur. Hands off approach. You're gonna love it. It was better than cats. I mean, that's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I want to revisit you saying that you're a wine liar, you know, because that really plays into like having to work at a wine bar. Right, Brooke? I feel like that is absolutely the name of the game for certain, you know, like fake till you make it in some wine bar situations. Um, So let's just like double back real quick. I'm going to give like a little uh, just a little foundation for the evolution of the wine bar. So I'm going to read a little blurb from Wikipedia, because if you just look up wine bar, Wikipedia is like, I got you. So we'll give our listeners a quick history. <laughs> Do they say that? Wouldn't it be Wikipedia. funny if Wikipedia like said that you. when you. <laughs> okay. So from Wikipedia, uh, a wine bar, huh? It's a tavern like business focusing on selling wine rather than liquor or beer. Okay. Hello. Duh. But it's uh, the typical feature of wine bars is wide selection of wines available by the glass. And a lot of the times they can be standalone establishments, but also be attached to a shop where you could like, you know, have some uh, glasses and then walk into a little shop next door and take a bottle home with you to go. But basically, this did not become popular until the 1990s and it became sort of like a corner wine bar sort of the way that uh coffee and espresso culture popped off there's like a total crossover when this like craft independent local feeling sort of all came together with wine and coffee it's it's a european thing that like Mm -hmm. the states are adopting finally well and the other big thing was With these approachable price points, friendly neighborhood vibes, the whole point was to remove the stigma of wine being really upscale uh, and hard to understand or that you would have to buy one whole bottle and it would be like an $80 affair. And it's like, no, come in and have a $6 glass and we're going to be friendly and we're going to do tastings. Okay, so then another thing, because we explored this on the past few episodes, so like in the 80s and 90s, uh, the 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 Everything was like a club scene when it came to bars and liquor. It was like shot girls, DJs. Like it was, there was no in between. So wine bars became like a popular bridge between having to choose a dive bar or a horrible bottle service club. And so the popularity of being able to have a less crowded, more social, relaxed evening with friends really took off. What what does a wine bar feel like and look like, you know? I mean, it's so. I feel like there's always high tops. Yes. Like there's always. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like Hi. high top bar, high top tables, high top, like bars, like by the window. You know, no, it's all. Nothing ergonomic TV. where you can slump down and pass out. <laughs> yeah. No booths, no wine Maybe booths. Maybe because it's an elevated experience. Our bar has high tops, but banquettes. So you can kind of get comfy, but you're sitting <laughs> real high like a high chair. <laughs> It's a very up, it's a very upright banquette. We actually we actually slide you in. Um, that's it's so an funny. adult high chair. We put the tray in front of you, and we put your Cheerios and charcuterie on there for you to smash with your fist yeah. like a big boy. <laughs> Exposed brick is kind of a thing, you know. Exposed brick, industrial steel, uh, mm. uh, uh, untempered cement. Oh, oh, yeah, for (laughs) sure. Usually like very like lush brocade, like thick curtains hanging somewhere. You know, L.A. has like on the east side, everything's a little more like taverny den. It looks and feels sexier and better in the dark, where I feel Mm -hmm. like sometimes more on the um, west side of the city is more like your open, airy, ocean views. Mm -hmm. Let's drink a crisp Central Coast shard, you know, and get some oysters. I'm buying it. I actually, that sounds so fucking good to me right now. I know. But no matter what, there's always like a, a hutch with extra glassware and roll-ups hanging out somewhere. Oh, like yeah. In- and 
you've got your you've got your racks you've got your wine on display if the place is cheesy it's usually a gigantic like beer snifter filled with corks oh uh, when i'm when i'm a patron and i look at everything you described i'm like thank god i don't have to polish these glasses or do this side work. right and then i will say the tiniest kitchen you could imagine right <laughs> Which the kitchen usually is Josh just moving over to a different counter space with a low boy making a oh, yeah. like a food in the in like a two by two foot space. Well, I've been to places where it's literally like it's like a it's like a hot plate and a panini press, you know, like that's, that's, that's also kitchen. in our bar too. <laughs> there's a pan, there's a George Foreman panini press. Uh, yeah, it's funny. It's, Man, it's that thing does press. some good work. I'm going to say that yeah. right now. You got to plate some charcuterie, but you we panini press the uh, panini sandwiches. And when I bring in a slice of pizza that's cold, I'll wrap it in foil and I'll panini press Ooh. it too after my dinner wow. break. Is there, you know, I'm thinking, is there still some very 90s wine bars that because they were a hit, in the 90s, are they still kind of hanging on, not evolving? Like, you know when you kind of walk into those where you're like, oh, this wine menu is not very progressive. Um, also, there's a lot of bad wine puns on plaques all over the wall. Um, <laughs> I think those I mean, I bars like- exist in Beverly Hills. Yeah, oh, or yes. they, they exist in kind of like maybe smaller Midwestern cities or just smaller cities or just like vacation like towns you know like the like the cork and baguette can we all have a pun off the top of our head can any of us think of a wine pun i'll start you off with an example (laughs) um here's one winos women in need of sanity that's what that stands for (laughs) oh my my god it's it's better to be better to be full of wine than full of shit uh you know wine puns are always in poor taste like hey, pour the yeah, wine. That's a pretty good. <laughs> but my mom has magnets on the refrigerator that say like it's wine o'clock. Um, to relieve stress, I do yoga. Just kidding. I drink wine in my yoga pants. <laughs> Someone has that on a, on a piece of art. I want my kids to be good at math, but not so good that they can count how many glasses of wine I've had. <laughs> <laughs> These are so good. I got a drinking problem. Not enough hands. <laughs> That's just like for anyone with a drinking problem. <laughs> I just see a doormat here that says, go away. Come back with wine. <laughs> <laughs> so Think dumb. I'm going to like these people. Okay, here's here's what all of these that have like, they're like the uh, e-cards, some e-cards that all have like the old-fashioned women from the 50s. And one of these says, if I ever go missing, I would like my photo put on wine bottles instead of milk cartons. This way my friends will know to look for me. Oh, man. <laughs> I hate my kids. Um, <laughs> that should be a name of a wine. I hate my kids. <laughs> Sell it at Trader Joe's. They'll be sold out. So we, you know, we we get the feel of what a wine bar uh, looks and feels like. Usually, some sort of, um, you know, maybe some folk music, some jazz playing, or some contemporary adult hits or hipster stuff. Like Barbandini has Barbandini is like it's hipster, you know, where you work. Always something fun. We all all the DJs like their music. I mean, all the bartenders like their mm-hmm. music, and we all switch off playing our own playlists. So it's like it's our time to kick out the jams and have some fun so we don't disappoint so let's get into it real quick with barbandini um okay glassware part of the job Mm. i mean i'm trying to think right now you guys definitely do stem right you do not do stemless rydell polishing cloth Uh uh-huh all the glasses um sparkling and certain ciders are served in stemware they're really nice glasses and then uh all the beers and other ciders are served in tulip glasses yes sorry sorry we have pint glasses for your standard ales but then the tulips for the belgian styles and the the higher alcohol percentage doubles the The dippas (laughs) nice oh god people are like can i have the uh can I have the Craftsman Dippa? I'm like, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> this Dippa shit wants a Dippa. Uh, he's going to Dippa his head in the toilet later with that if he's not careful. Um, careful. They're strong. They'll get you. Higher alcohol percentage. 
So I did do a little research too, you know, which you would know this working in the, in the, uh, wine bar industry but for any of our listeners if they're trying to correctly expand maybe their their home glass collection uh wine mag you know let me know that basically with your red wines you kind of want a a wider bowl that is proper service for red wine and you want the smaller standard Chardonnay glass for basically most whites. It's completely fine. When it's a smaller bowl, it keeps the glass of um, wine tighter and colder, especially when it's cold. Whereas with your reds, you want it to like be more shallow, open up and oxidize. Yeah, you want to oxygenate more of that surface area. One, that's why people decant a red. And then, like you said, anything where you want to hold the tight bubbles, you do like more in, in a, you know, a flute, uh, a taller, thinner glass. But upright. we serve, we serve the bubbles in our standard wine glasses. They're nice. all it's a one size fits all wine glass. Very cool. I like it. You know, and in general. I love that. In general. natural wine is, yeah. you don't need to, you don't need to give it all this pomp and circumstance. You just slug it order another one. What's really cool about Barbandini too, though, is like you guys have your wines on draft. Tap wines normally. Tap wines. Yeah. Uh, Tap wines are, you know, since we, they've always been California wines, some European wines, but I don't know how expensive it is to order a keg and have it shipped from Europe. But most of them are all the Central Coast, all on up to Oregon and Washington. And they're kegged and come out of a tap. They're just as good and they last longer. They don't get exposed to oxygen. So they can sit there in the kegs in the taps for a couple of weeks until they're depleted. Or That's amazing. I, yeah. I've, I usually get something, a uh, uh, tap wine and it's always been dope as hell. They tended to be more domestic and I think it's just more cost effective. Totally. Way. totally. But, and when I'm really busy and people want to ask questions and they're like, tap wine, I'm like, here, just take it. Let me give it to you. You're going to love it. <laughs> it's just an easy way to, it's sexy to some people. So I'm like, dude, take it. I got other customers. Yep. Um, who are going also back fussy. to talking about glassware really quick. Like, and just appreciating so much a universal glass, like um, something like a flute and then working at places and like those are the first fuckers to break. And then all of a sudden you get, you have a night where everybody keeps ordering sparkling and you're you're running out of flutes. Like there's just, there's just none available because they've all broken. (laughs) Oh yeah, those are, they're top heavy. And by the way, if you (laughs) applaud me when I break a glass at work, you were 86 for life. (laughs) (laughs) well and that's what i wanted to get into with your side work and just the duty of the job i mean you probably look at a glass full of empty or a table full of empty wine glasses and just shudder there's no way you're not having nightmares about this side work on the regular i know i I walk by because we're the bartenders we also have to walk around the floor and bus Mm -hmm. and i'll look at a table i'll look at like a high top with all these glasses and i'll think you guys didn't bother to bust these yourselves (laughs) <laughs> like they'll, they won't bring the glass back in order or another. Just keep them all there. And I go, I go like, oh, what do you, I what do you know what I was going to say. Fucking raised mad. by, I, raised by animals? I get no, mad I, people I, for I, not doing the job they're not supposed yeah. to do. Oh, no, I think this is a really good time to announce to people. And obviously all of our listeners who are in the industry already know this to like pre-bust their tables. I obviously have gone out of my way for years to do as much work as possible for my servers and bartenders as I can. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have a waitress. Just put your glass on the bar and order your next drink. Yeah, just yeah. be like, here's my empties. Yeah, exactly. That's it, right? There's a tip for listeners or anyone who, you know, does not do this. Get on board. If you see a bartender who's working the whole room slammed, can't get behind, can't get out from behind the bar, you are like, you might feel like you're being extra, but bring a handful of glasses because they yeah, got to watch them and turn them over. Especially no formal floor staff, i.e. a waiter right. or a waitress. Right. Just, because then I got to go out the floor, but at least it lets me show off my sketchers. People are like, are those sketchers? Like, yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> let me collect uh, these glasses for you and walk away so you can check them out more. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Josh, with this job, um, do you think it's harder or easier to bartend at a wine bar? Or is it just like nuanced based on, is it comparable? It's nu- It's nuanced, but it's for me, it's easier because a bartender... When it's slammed at my job, you just have to keep pouring wine. It's yeah. the same motion. Pull the lever for the tap wine or bend over and fish out of the little cooler for the bottled wine. But you have to talk a little more. And yet the people don't – every – I'd say 30% of our clientele, every shift is new to natural wine. So like what is natural wine? And they're going to taste it and think it's bad. It's just different. 
Mm-hmm. They'll say, this is bad. I'm like, no, it's natural. Have another sip of something else. So you've got to <laughs> sit there and spend a few minutes. And I do rapid fire. Taste this. Taste that. Okay. And if they're still thinking, I move on. But it's it's easier. But you have to do way more you have to put way more people working. And there's an ex, there's an entitlement from customers yeah. that you are going to talk wine with them. Yes. <sighs> and I am the best at just cutting them off and moving along. Go, I'll be back. I'll be back. Like, they'll be, they'll, they'll taste three things and they'll go, yeah, I just, I, and I'll, I'll interrupt. I'll go, I'll be back in about 10 minutes. I'm going to take care of the rest of the book. <laughs> well, and then you probably have the people who are knowledgeable or at least think that they're very knowledgeable and want to chat with you and they just want to maybe like fluff their feathers that they know about wine and they know about natural wines, but they but they still want your opinion, you know, but they might get argumentative. Yes, it's great though because they know what they want or they think they know what they want and and you just agree with them like, yes, oh, oh, mm-hmm, great on the palate, mm-hmm, very fruit forward, tannic. <laughs> And then and you, and you smile at you smile at him like I got just the thing for you. You do a quick turn like you're trying on a new outfit, and you come back with a different bottle of wine. They're like, oh yes, yeah, you're easy. You at least know something. Uh, I totally. love that. That that's like some that is some like mind control. Um, that is fantastic. And you know that comes from learning to be manipulative service workers and comedians <laughs> over the years. So yeah, I'm a good talent. dickhead too. I'm a very nice dickhead. You are. Pe- people look at me like what the. All right, but he's funny at least. You got to crack. I got to crack a joke a lot. You're the kind of bartender that like I want to please you, so I'll do whatever. I'll just be like, yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you so much. I'll be so kind to you, and then the end, you'll be like, we're cool, because I know that's what you do. If you're grumpy at the end, if we've been cool, you'll probably acknowledge that I've been cool, and then I'm just like, I I won this one, you know. That's how. I love the people who are trying to help. Like a lot of, at our bar, we pour the same wine. We pour different wines in the same glass for you to taste. And people that don't know anything about wine, they're like, it's not expensive wine. You're not buying a bottle for right. the table. So they right. go, can I get another glass? And I'll, and if, if I know they're a novice, I'll just go, I'll go, we use the same glass. Trust me, it's okay. You're going to live. I'll say stuff like that. I must say the wine is quite delightful. There has to be job hazards with this too that are so specific broken wine glasses have to happen like constantly dodger fans oh god oh, we're like a half a mile from you know where the dodger stadium lets out on sunset yeah so yeah we, we don't get the hit of it but when it's the playoffs and the dodger fans are really out late and they yeah. find their way after 15 minutes of walking yeah. to our bar you see a jersey you're like all right do you sustain just like constant injuries with you know using your wine key the foil like how yes i'm pretty much a master at the wine key but at least once a shift when i'm when i have that blade out and my pointer finger over the blade and i try to rip off i try to cut the top of the foil on the bottle in one fell swoop i'll drag my finger across exposed foil nothing nothing gives me the shivers more (laughs) and and your hands are wet your skin's thin so you're it's more prone to happen and then you're pouring a drink for somebody and the bottle's extended and you see blood dripping from your finger but they don't see it you're like pour this glass pour this glass quick (laughs) can you recall the worst cut you've ever gotten Uh, i was polishing a glass and it broke in my it broke in my hand I ended up going that night to urgent care to get three stitches in my hand, but mm-hmm. it just broke. And I go, oh, no problem. I already had the bottle open. I was about to pour two glasses. I swiped their credit card. I just decided to polish one glass and it broke. My hand started bleeding and I just put my hand down to my side, used my other hand to pour the to pour the two glasses of wine. And I go, I'll be right back. And I held my other hand up. Uh, I got to go to the back and my hand was already bloody. But Oh, yeah. Nothing horrible, but just it's horrible for them to see. Just get a hep C shot after that glass of wine, okay, miss? <laughs> this, this pairs well with a hep C shot. Might It'd be I funny if you'd be that. like, oh, what's that? Like, look over there, and someone like sneakily comes and she, like gives a shot to your customer. <laughs> they have a, a hep C blow dart. Someone's just like. <laughs> Can we talk, just retouch on wine drunks, wine snobs, sometimes the same person. Let's talk about your pet peeves on the job. Clientele. Can you teach us as customers how to be better? Um, well, a lot of people come to our bar. It's a good date bar. 
a lot of dates, a lot of first dates, a lot of new dates, but a lot of people come to our bar after dinner and we serve beer. If you're drinking beer at the bar and you want to launch off a burp, tilt your head up and do it like a sprinkler and just oscillate your head at a trajectory above my head. How many times are guys like, hey, do you have a dipper? You have a dipper? And be like, oh, you obviously just came from dinner. Smelling your burps is my pet peeve at the bar. Gross. People are fucking gross. Oh, no, no, no. And, and gum. You're going to a wine bar. Just you shouldn't show up anywhere. with. You shouldn't show up at a place you're going to eat or put something in your mouth with, with gum. I might okay. be a snob. Chew gum on the street. If you're going to chew gum and go, this wine tastes weird. I'm like, well, maybe it's because the gum's in your mouth still. And and you were saying too that like the uh, the elk like the wine drunk is a slower burn. Can you speak to that in terms of how do you feel the night sort of start to hit a crescendo or? People come in waves there, but for the most part, people are well behaved. But the wine drunk they hit a wall much sooner. They don't stay all night. There, there's always trouble. We don't get a lot of it. But the wine drunks, you can tell, and, and every bartender doesn't want to deal with them. So we'll, we'll nudge each other, go, that guy said, I poured that guy three glasses already, and he's already putting his head on somebody's shoulder. Wow. So it's, 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 there's no, no trouble, but you see them hit the wall, and you, it's, it, wine, wine drunk is a great indicator on who's been overserved without yeah. any incident occurring. Oh, for sure. As, as someone who has a mother who, as my sister and I like to say, when she's had too much, Mommy is wine. <laughs> it's what we say about her. Um, I get it. I get I get it. I, I I also have been overserved on wine and it's a different buzz. Well, because I think too people don't like uh the the tolerance for it, like it really is different person to person. If you're usually a wine drinker, you know what you're in for. But if you're not, like also people are more prone to just have sensitivity and allergies to it and reactions. That's true. And also it's it's it makes you sleepy time too. Yeah, you're like six, bedtime seven, now. It's six, seven ounces of wine compared to sixteen ounces of a beer and even a shot that's like an ounce or two. You shots really tell you how much you're how far you are along in your buzz. But wine's like you down a glass like this is great. This is like a pain pill, and then you just drink a few more, and you you're at the point of no return. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man, I gotta say, sometimes a killer wine hangover can be one of the most deadly if you were drinking bad wine. But um, yeah, I I think like my mom, by the way, uh, Andrea, we we start calling her Slappy Kathleen when she. <laughs> <laughs> Slappy's always a great name for somebody. Yep. Uh oh. Mom's getting slappy, and then she, lit, you know, she's had two glasses of wine. When everything my dad says, she starts slapping him. Uh-huh. Um, but that's just a great moniker for someone who's just stupid drunk. Like if a guy came in again, if a guy was drunk one night, and we all knew like that guy made a scene. If he came back the next day, we'd be like, "Hey, Slappy McGee." He'd never come back, and uh, you know, <laughs> mission accomplished. Not. Maybe that's what Kyle's nickname was. That yeah. Do you guys have a suppressed uh, anger sh- Chardonnay on the menu? <laughs> Maybe yeah. a nice. Uh... I'll do that to people. They're like, "What do you want?" I'm like, uh, "What's your mood today? Are you happy? Are you? What do you want to feel later?" They're like, yeah. "I want to feel refreshed." I go. It, I always ask people what their attitude is and their mood at the moment, rather than trying to just. Dis- describe wine it's a it's a fun way to approach wine i love that well i don't know is there any any parting thoughts you want to leave us about the working as a wine bartender um any any tips or tricks you've learned to tell our listeners um you know our wine bar is loosey-goosey it's accessible to everybody but we're not a rowdy raw raw sports bar so don't come in asking you guys got the game on you guys got the fight no, no fighting here, sir. <laughs> not, I until, love, not until just, you've had your third glass. Don't ask if we have the game. That's all. I love, I just love telling people we don't have the game on. And just watching their face going, you don't? Bro. 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 Yep. No, I know. No, you know what? It's like, read the room, idiot. But they don't because they like sports. Anyways. Not good at that. Also, um, don't get sick in the bathroom because we don't have maintenance. The bartenders clean the bathrooms, too go get sick in the parking lot like Josh did outside of his catering gig. Like a decent human being, please. 
Nice, nice. Um, well, fuck yeah. I may or may not risk my life to go hang at Bar Bandini. Uh, we shall see. They're open on the weekends, and mm-hmm. I'll go. You can go outside. If, if, if they open like at two or three, it's a safe time to go grab a glass and not be around people. Cool. Right on. Yeah, it would it'd be nice to feel normal for a hot second. Um, well, Josh, thank you so much. This was yeah. fucking hilarious. I haven't laughed that hard with a guest in a minute. Um, Pepsi blow dart, baby. Good stuff. We're getting t-shirts made. Yes. We're pat- we're, well, we're also going to register a patent, right? Sir. Yeah. I mean, we should, I, I hope once they get the COVID vaccine going for all the anti-vaxxers, we're going to need a COVID dart too. I mean, this Just is going to be the, the new, you. yeah, the, this is going to be the new wave of shot girls. Am I right? You guys like, yeah, I'll be, I'll be slipping a, uh, I'll be slipping a vaccine into your drink. It'll, when you're, yeah. It'll be your muse boost for your drinks for that. Guys, we're going to start you out with some Pepsi shooters. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Hey, thank you so much, um, guys. Josh Hannes was our fantastic guest. Uh, we hope you guys can see him out at Barbandini once he feels safe to leave the house. But until then, you'll just have to listen to his beautiful voice on this episode. Thank you. Thank you You're for welcome. having me, everybody. Absolutely. Well, Inra, you know what we say at the end of each show? Uh, I sure do. Uh, Godspeed. And good tips. And good Thanks, health. guys. And good, good fight. Good hat. Hep, hep, <laughs> <laughs>